Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 20. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. Then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like the seed along the path, where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, the seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of this because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Thirty, sixty, or even a hundred times what was sown. Well, that's a great prayer we've been singing there. So please uh, do sit and uh, open your Bibles back up to Mark uh, in chapter 4. I once had uh, the opportunity to speak to uh, my boss at work uh, about the Christian faith, about the gospel. It was a great opportunity. Um, I was able to uh, sit down with him and clearly explain the gospel of the Lord Jesus to him. We We had a good time doing that. I then gave him a good Christian book which explained the gospel even further. He took that book home that evening. The next morning he came in and said, I read that book last night. He read it cover to cover over, over the evening and came back in the morning. At that point I was really excited. I thought, great. He said to him, I've understood this. I, I now get what you're saying. You have your own prepackaged spirituality. It's called Christianity. But I want to work it out for myself. And that was the end of it. That was the end of any discussion we had about Christianity. 
at that point, I was so disappointed. I can think of another friend who became a Christian and she grew as a Christian. She was baptized as a Christian. She seemed to get the gospel. She was understanding the gospel. She was excited about the gospel. She had a family who weren't Christians and that family gave her a really, really hard time for being a Christian. They thought it was a phase that she was going through. Eventually, the pressure became too much for her and she also gave up on following Jesus. I sometimes see her from time to time and she has a a lovely family around her. That same family that gave her such a hard time and she is not a Christian now. I find it heartbreaking to see. I can think of another guy uh, that I knew he was the the church treasurer, the church warden. Uh, He was a great guy, worked very hard in a high pressure job, a job which uh, made him very successful, very wealthy. I remember he was in a car club and he used to get to drive some really swish cars for the, for the weekend. And I used to have great conversations with him. He used to be so encouraging to me in the gospel. And yet his lifestyle and his wealth started to pull him. And then the desire for a relationship with an unbelieving girl pulled him even further. And he married that girl and they now have a family together. And yet he is no longer a Christian. It's heartbreaking to see. I don't know if you've had that experience with people, have seen that. It's hard to understand how people could do that. And it's hard to explain that when we compare it to what we've seen in Mark's gospel so far. Do you remember what we saw in chapter 1 in the beginning of chapter 2? Jesus brought the world which we all wanted. He proclaimed the kingdom that was coming. He was calling people. He was healing people of their sickness. He was confronting evil and driving it out. He was defeating evil. And from time and time again, we saw that's the world which we all want. Jesus brings good news, the best news we could hear. And so when people hear that gospel, it seems like water off a duck's back. It's hard to understand. Or when they hear it and they seem to get it and then pressures come and they fall away. It's hard to understand. And when people see other things in the world and think it's more important or better than the gospel, it's hard to understand why they might do that. And then as we read on in Mark, we've also seen that Jesus faced that very same experience. You see, it's not just us who experience people doing that kind of thing. Jesus has experienced that. Now that's what we've been seeing in chapter 2 of Mark. As he proclaimed the gospel, there was people who heard, but then wanted nothing to do with the message in the world which he was bringing. It's actually a little bit stronger than that. They actually wanted to end up killing him. They thought he was evil for what he was doing. Do you remember how it progressed? Let's just cast your eyes across to chapter 2. Do you remember in verse 16, the Pharisees see him and he's eating with tax collectors and sinners and they can't understand it, so they question. And then the next incident, they are concerned that Jesus is not fasting like they do, not following their laws. At verse 24, the Pharisees are there and they're saying Jesus is breaking the Sabbath law, he's breaking our laws. In chapter 3 and verse 2, you see they are looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. They're not just questioning him now. They're looking for a reason to accuse him. 
And with terrible irony, Jesus asks them what's lawful to do, to save life or to kill life on the Sabbath. Uh, They remain silent. Jesus heals the man, saving him. And 3.6, on the Sabbath, the Pharisees go out and plot how they might kill him. At 3.22, they come and say, Jesus is doing all these wonderful things, bringing this kingdom in by the power of the devil. They call Jesus evil. And by the end of that chapter, in verse 31, that we see Jesus' mothers and brothers are also standing outside, literally out the door, but also symbolically they are outside of Jesus' people. And so can you see, as we come to chapter 4, our experience of how people react to the gospel was also Jesus' experience when he preached the kingdom message. It seemed to cause people to reject him cause people to turn away from him and as we face that ourselves it's easy to become discouraged about it why does that kind of thing happen the message seems so good we want people to see the glory of God because it is amazing news and so when people don't understand or they reject or they become angry we can't understand And so as we come to chapter 4, with those questions in our mind, Jesus starts to help us to understand why that might be. And the first thing that we should see from chapter 4 is that we should expect the gospel proclamation to divide. We should expect gospel proclamation to divide because Jesus says that it will. Now Jesus speaks in parables in this section and we have the famous parable of the sower. A simple story about a farmer sowing seed in the different ground that it fell upon. Depending where it fell, there was different results, whether the seed was eaten or choked or withered or produced a crop. In the second half of the section here, Jesus explains the parable. And the most striking thing that he says as he starts to explain to the disciples the parable is that the gospel will divide people. As the word is preached, it divides people. You see in in verse 14, Jesus says that the the farmer sows the word. That is the, the word of God. As the word is sown, as God's word is preached, people are divided. There are people who will be on the inside and those on the outside. You see, on the one hand, the disciples and those with them were given the secret. They were on the inside, if you like. They're part of the circle around Jesus. Do you see that in verse verse 11? They come to Jesus and speak to him, and Jesus says to them, the secret of the kingdom has been given to you. They've been given the, the gift of the kingdom. They will be able to be fruitful. On the other hand, there are other people who are on the outside who will never understand. Again, verse 11. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. Why is everything spoken in parables? Jesus goes on in verse 12. So that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving. And ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they won't turn and be forgiven. Do you see? They can hear the message, but they never understand it. They can see it before them, but they cannot understand it. 
Now this is a very hard saying. Jesus says he speaks in parables. He sows the word of God in the full knowledge that some people will never understand that gospel message. You see what he says? He speaks in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving. Ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. And we see how that works in the explanation of the parable. The seed sown is the the word of God. Uh, The word is sown and everyone hears it. And yet for most people it is unfruitful. You see that? The seed sown on the road is like someone who hears the message and it makes no impression on them. You see what Jesus says there? He says that Satan comes and takes away the word in verse 15. And as an aside at that point, can you see that hearing the gospel message and responding to the gospel message is a spiritual issue? There's a battle going on, a spiritual battle for the hearts of men. And the battle might be happening right here in front of us this morning, in your own heart. As Jesus goes on, we see that other people might hear but then fall away quickly when trouble comes. You see that in verse 17. Others might hear and fall away because they want other things more. We see that in verse 19. And then when the gospel message comes to them, in effect, it has the the effect of being background noise to everything else that's going on. And as they progress, they become hardened to the gospel message. They hear it, but it makes no impression on them. Otherwise, they would turn and be forgiven. And the context even helps us to see what this means. Do you remember we've just gone through what happens in chapter 3, where the Pharisees and even Jesus' own family began to oppose Jesus to various degrees. We saw last week that they wanted to shape Jesus around their own desires. They wanted Jesus to fit into how they wanted him to be. They didn't really want Jesus as he was. And so whether they wanted Jesus to fit into their own lifestyle or for Jesus to bring them health and wealth or whatever it was, they tried to shape Jesus around their own expectations. For the religious leaders, that ended up with them wanting to kill Jesus. You see, they moved from questioning and wondering about him to open hostility and to seeking to kill him. And to those who are rejecting Jesus like that, the the word of God comes to them in parables, Jesus says. It's as if he is saying, if you won't have me on my terms, then you will never really see. You will hear everything, but you will never understand it if you're trying to shape me to your own ways. And the same thing comes in that quote from Isaiah chapter 6. Do you see that quote there in verse 12? In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah is commissioned by God. He's got his great vision of God and he is commissioned to be God's messenger. And God says that as he takes the word of God to the people of Israel at the time, they will hear but not understand, etc., etc. In effect, what Isaiah does is he brings God's message to the people of Israel is that he become, he preaches a message of judgment. They see it, but they will not understand it and accept it. In that chapter, Isaiah chapter 6, comes after five chapters of Isaiah where Isaiah has been showing the people that they, will be, they are refusing and rejecting God. 
They will not listen to God. For five chapters, they will not listen. And so the message becomes unintelligible to them. And so as we live out the gospel message, as we hold out the gospel message to people in our world, there will be some people like the disciples who hear and truly understand and produce gospel fruit. And there'll be other people who hear but never understand it. Those on the outside who don't respond or respond but never really grow and become established who become increasingly hardened to the gospel message. You see, that's what Jesus expected of the gospel when it went out. And it happened in his ministry, and we can be sure that it will happen in our experience as well. That when the gospel message comes to people, it divides. And so that helps us to understand why our friends might reject the truth. Why people might become angry about the gospel when we share it with them. Why people don't see it as good. Why people fall away. And while that's the case, that leads to our second point this morning. That this gospel message will divide, but Jesus calls on us, calls on you here this morning to listen to him. To hear him. You see, the the warning of Jesus is quite stark, isn't it? Are you someone who is in danger of listening but not really hearing? Someone for whom other things become more important than this gospel message. Are you in danger of becoming like the seed on the path or the seed on the rocky ground or the seed among the weeds? Well, this morning, heed Jesus' call to hear. You see, while the gospel message divides people, Jesus still calls on you to hear the message. And listening or hearing is something which runs right through this section. Just have a a scan through and see where it comes. Look at verse 3. And whenever you see listen or hear, it's the same idea, it's the same kind of word. Verse 3, Jesus says, listen. It's a command that Jesus makes. You see it in verse 9. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Again, it's the command of Jesus. Then in the explanation, you see verse 15, the word sown on the the path, Jesus says, as soon as they hear the word. Verse 16, they hear the word. Verse 18, they hear the word. Verse 20, they hear the word. You see in the section, there's a focus on hearing, on listening. And if you look into the next section, we will be thinking about next week. See what Jesus says in verse 23? If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 24, consider carefully what you hear. Jesus is saying to us here this morning and to people of every age, hear, listen, understand. See, whatever effect the parable will have on us this morning, Jesus says, listen. He says, listen to those who are on the inside and to those on the outside, listen. So are you listening this morning? Now, could I ask you, who's got your ear? Is it Jesus that's got your ear or is it something else? 
And within the incident, we get a clue to what it might look like to really hear or to not hear. Did you notice in verse 1, the, the great crowd? You see that in verse 1, there's a, a great crowd, so great that Jesus had to get into a boat to, uh, to allow him to be able to preach to them. There's a great crowd in verse 1, but by the end, there's just a very small group, Jesus, um, the 12 and a few around them. You see, I wonder what most of them did as they went to, if you like, that church service that day. Did they go home? I imagine some of them going home and uh, sitting around the the dinner table and uh, saying to each other, well, dear, uh, that Jesus fellow, he was quite interesting, wasn't he? He told some really nice stories. I I quite enjoyed our day out. And no, those people there were really quite nice. But I, I don't really feel the need to go back. You see, that's verse 15, isn't it? Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. And maybe you're sitting here thinking, well, this is all quite interesting, but it's not really for me. We'll hear Jesus' call, listen to the message and listen properly. I imagine other people in the crowd, I wonder whether they went home really excited about what they heard. They couldn't stop talking about this kingdom that Jesus was preaching about. They're so pleased, the best news they ever heard. And they, they got home so excited and they told their brother who was a Pharisee. And he said, what? You've listened to that dangerous fool Jesus? He's dangerous. Stop listening to him. Don't do it. Have you lost your mind? You see, that was verse 16. Others like seeds sown in the rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they fall away quickly. And you can see how we face that too, can't you? I know some people who, when they've told their atheist friends that they've become Christians, they are mocked for that, mercilessly, ridiculed. They're told that they've given up their intellectual faculties. Or I've known others, when they have stood up for Christian truth at the workplace, they are marginalized and pushed to the edges. It might have been when they say they don't think abortion is right or that they think same-sex marriage is wrong or when they say that I follow God in this way, they are mocked for that. And as they are mocked for that, they give up. When trouble and persecution comes because of the gospel, they give up. You see, who's got your ear? Is it those at work or your atheist friends and those that's mocking you? Or is it Jesus? I imagine others in the crowd, again, they thought Jesus was brilliant. They loved the message. They thought the message that he preached was just the best. It made sense of life. And when they heard it, they saw, yeah, that ticks so many things. And when they got home, they saw the application form on the kitchen table and thought, oh, yeah, I must must finish that application form. And so they sat down that night and filled in the form. The next morning they took it to the post office and they bumped into the love of their life on the way home and they couldn't help but ask them to marry them and then they had the children and then they bought the house and then the the renovation started. And they might have thought, you know, I'll get back to Jesus when life's a bit quieter. 
But these other things at the moment, they're just a little bit more important than Jesus at this time. Or maybe they even think, actually, these things will provide more satisfaction, more enjoyment of life now than Jesus possibly could. You see, who's got your ear? Is it the desire for more stuff in this world? Or maybe there were some students there thinking, oh no, exams are coming up. Um, I'll, I'll come back to Jesus once exams are done. Once this busy period's over, uh, I'll get back to that Christian stuff. Well, you see, that's, that's verse 18. Still others, like seeds sown among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. And there's so many things which could do that, isn't there? So many worries of this life. Uh, the desire for wealth, the deceitful desires for other things. Now, in my experience, often those last two things, those who fall away because of trouble and persecution and those who fall away because of the desires for other things, it doesn't happen suddenly. It takes time. It happens slowly that they stop listening. I've seen it happen with students from time to time. And what generally happens is they start to drop off coming to church and now they often let me know, so they'll say, oh, I'm not going to be at church on Sunday because I've got this happening, whatever it might be. And you might think that seems a reasonable explanation. It's a reasonable reason to do that. That seems okay. But over time, church becomes something that they do two out of three Sundays. And then it becomes one in two Sundays. And then maybe they're here one in three Sundays. And so the pattern goes. Similarly, small groups become something which is optional to them. And when I start to see that pattern happening in the lives of students, I get concerned and worried because I'm concerned that they're not actually listening to Jesus. They're not listening to his word. In fact, they're not here to be able to listen to his word together. They take themselves away from the word of God being taught and preached. They take themselves away from that small group where people will take that word and encourage each other with it. You see, whether it's to play sport or to go on weekends away or to spend time with family or to do more work, those things ultimately take them away from hearing and listening to God's word. You see, we can always make time for what we like, can't we? And when there is something I want to do, I can make time for it. Or when I think something is important, I make time for it. And if church becomes something which I think is less important than other things, I'm starting to listen to those things more. I'm not listening to Jesus and the danger is that I become like those in verse 12 who don't turn and be forgiven. You see, that's a big consequence of not listening to Jesus. Verse 12, they don't turn and they are not forgiven. They turn away from Jesus, the one who can give them life and blessing. He can give them life now and life into eternity. 
And Mark has already told us that the forgiveness of our sins is the biggest thing that we all need. And yet many people turn away through not listening. Is that something that you've done? Something that you're in danger of doing? Well, heed Jesus' call here this morning to listen. And be encouraged that if you have heeded this call, all is not lost, even if you have been not listening for a while. Do you know, if you look back up to uh, verse 31 of the previous um, chapter, do you remember Jesus' mother and brother? They arrived, they were trying to shape Jesus to their own ways of thinking. They weren't listening to Jesus. They were on the outside. And yet we know as we read on in the gospel and read on in the New Testament that that Jesus' mother was there at the cross. That Jesus' brother became a leader in the church in Jerusalem. that, That he even wrote a book of the Bible for us. You see, there's always a way to come back. And that way to come back is to start listening listening to Jesus' words, listening to the preaching of the word, coming here so that you can hear it, coming to your small group so you can encourage, it, speaking to other people about it. It was great to hear Peter saying that earlier, wasn't it? That how he hears God's word when he speaks it to other people as well and how we encourage each other in that. You see, Jesus would say, as he says in another place, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. You see, many in the crowd ended up going home, not listening. And yet there was those who listened. And we see what they're like in verse 10. You see, everybody heard that message, but there was the, uh, verse 10, there was the 12 and the others around him, them, and they come and ask Jesus about the parables. In verse 11, Jesus told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. You see, here's what it's like to really hear. It means coming to Jesus and asking, wanting to understand, wanting to spend time with him. And Jesus says, as they do that, the secret of the kingdom has been given to them. Now understand what he's saying there. It's not saying that somehow they have now got complete understanding of everything to do with Christian theology. Just read on to verse 13, where Jesus says, don't you understand this parable? How will you understand any parable? You see, they've been given the secret of the kingdom, but they don't understand everything. But what listening looks like means that we come to Jesus to understand more. You see, the key contrast is what they do differently to the rest of the crowd. They come back to Jesus. They seek to understand. They ask and they want to know. And as they come to Jesus, Jesus explains to them. You see, the challenge for us is to make sure that Jesus has got our ear. That means that we will come to Jesus and we will listen to him, that we will want to learn from him and we will want to grow in him. We will want to do what he says. We will want to understand and learn. And as we do that, we will be like that seed sown in good soil. We will be fruitful. We will come to understand God's word more. We will put God's word into practice. See, Jesus said in verse 35, whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. 
See, as we listen and learn, we will put into practice what we hear. And I can think of one student who really encourages me in this regard. Now, when he first started at university, he was definitely a Christian, yet you wouldn't have called him a mature Christian. And yet over time, he has made church a priority. He has come to small groups every week. And he has steadily grown in his understanding. And as he has grown in understanding of the gospel, he now serves in various ways with various people. And he is such a blessing to those he comes into contact with. You see, Jesus has his ear. And he has been listening and growing and he is becoming a blessing. He is being fruitful in his life. And he is someone that I would now turn to if I was worried about someone struggling in their faith. I would feel confident to ask him to go and speak to them and minister God's word to them. And it all stems from the fact that he comes and he listens to God. And as he listens, he thinks, yes, I'm going to do that. And when he doesn't understand, he comes and says, I don't understand that. Can you explain? And so as we close, who's got your ear? Has Jesus got it? Or is there other things which are coming in and crowding out that word of God? Well, let me pray as we finish. Father God, we do thank you that you are a God who speaks. And we pray that we would be a people who listen. And as we listen, that we would do what you say. Would you help us to make good choices in our lives so that we keep coming back to you to listen? Would you help us to heed your call to keep listening to you? And would you help us, as we listen, to put into practice what we hear and to grow in the gospel? Would you help us to do that today and for the rest of this week? And would we be those who each day think, today I will not harden my heart, but I will listen to Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.